The Origins Of is a podcast about ancient wisdom, crazy myths, everyday objects, and the overall creativity and innovation of early man. Join Jesse and Olivia as they delve into the why behind everyday origins. I am Jesse. And I'm Olivia. And we are back with another episode of The Origins Of. Yay! We are doing a really um, targeted episode today, or specific episode, Fall Fashions. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse's going to be doing plaid. And uh, she's actually dressed the part today. I came prepared. She did come prepared. And I didn't bring a scarf. um, And I'm doing scarves. um, And I didn't bring one because we're in Atlanta, Georgia, where it is currently 80 degrees outside in October. And I wore flannel buffalo plaid. You're really dedicated to the podcast. And I am not. That shows that you're more dedicated than me. I I just... I just can pretend it's fall. Yeah. It's it's hard to pretend in Atlanta, though. We've had some really humid, humid days and hot hot afternoons, um, mm-hmm. but we're getting there. Uh, so I'm going to start us off with scarves. Um, we originally were trying to decide um, what to partner with plaid, and we, we had a couple of things that I don't think went as well, and all of a sudden, I think it was my boyfriend, Adrian, or somebody said something about the origins of scarves, and I was like, oh my God, that, that one's perfect, because why? Why <laughs> do we love to wrap fabric Around our neck. Around our necks. It's it's the most odd um, concept. Um, so where did that come from? Um, Jesse, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think it um, mittens or gloves make sense. A hat makes mm-hmm. sense. And then may- maybe, you know, they just wanted to extend the, yeah. the jacket a little you more. Would but, it, think. but a scarf is a strange thing. Yeah, you would think. And I think when I brought it up, you mentioned, oh, it might be a colder weather thing. It might be, you know those who lived in colder climates and actually that's not even close oh good oh yay yeah not even close to correct so i'm very excited to kind of get into this so history of scarves there's a beautiful infographic i love it when it's already done for me um that i found that i'm going to link to i'm going to be referencing from that mostly so there's a couple of places that scarves really originated but what i'm going to focus on most after i get through the original history is why they're trendy now Mm-hmm. Like, you know, despite the ancient origin, like, why do I have 50 scarves in my They closet? have an ancient origin? There is an ancient origin. Yay! I know. How exciting. Um, they do have an ancient origin, but they do uh, definitely get into the fashion of why they're so fashionable. So let me define what a scarf means first, because there's all sorts of different versions. A shawl, like a, um, an ascot, or like a, a neckerchief, or mm-hmm. even a tie. The tie actually sort of had a, a very close... Um, closely related origin to scarves. I know you, you're kind of like, well, that doesn't make any sense, but it will, I promise. Uh, so I'm going to be defining scarf as a long piece of fabric that you wrap around your neck. Not a shawl, not like a skinny tie, not like a, a handkerchief that developed into a pocket. We're defining it as something that can be draped or wrapped around your neck. Got it. So the earliest, the very first lady who ever wore a scarf is Nefertiti. In ancient Egypt. It's incredible. That's awesome. Yes, it is amazing. There is an actual, um, not painting, but I guess picture of a hieroglyphic. I will put it up on the website of her, and she's got this scarf kind of hanging behind so it's her. Documented. Documented. And yeah, so it is specifically a scarf. And this was in 1350 BC. Queen, the queen herself. Um, it's way older. It's than, real old. Um, my topic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So yes, um, she was the first one to sort of have a scarf, um, but why? Why is that? It was kind of around that time. It makes sense. The Romans had what they called sudariums, which is Latin for a sweat cloth. 
So it's the complete opposite of colder weather. Aha. Yes. A sweat cloth. Yes. You would think that it was like, oh, it's just someone, you know, Russians or Alaska or somewhere where everybody was super cold. And it's the complete opposite. It's where people were super hot. So they needed something around Mm. their necks to grab quickly to wipe the sweat off of their foreheads. That is that is the main origin of the scarf, kind of across cultures. How useful. Yes, how useful. Um, so also, the lower class used scarves for a multitude of purposes. They would have them around their necks, and then they would put them on a belt, and they would carry things. It's like an Insta pouch. It is like an instant oh, way yeah, of, like, multi-purpose. Yeah, carrying mm-hmm. something. So you kind of put it would put it around your neck or around your waist. It was an equally common thing um, to be able to carry things. So... As usual, the noble people would commission the the higher um, the 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 silks, the the finely printed things. So mm-hmm. you know, if the common people had the sashes or the just the regular cloth, the nobles were saying, "Oh, we're going to do, we're going to signify that we are like this." So that's kind of where Nefertiti was coming off of. You know, the Romans and all of that whole the whole region getting into Egypt. Um, she was using this scarf as a signal of her abundance and wealth and. I really love that history because I only think of them as a modern fashion oh, we'll get item. There. And so that, it's, that's really exciting that it goes back that far and that it has such utilitarian purposes. Other than, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like if I try to wear a scarf in Atlanta in September, I get made fun of because <laughs> I'm trying to emulate Bring fall. Bring on the fall. And people are like, it's just too hot out. But I mean, mm-hmm. I can say, hey, I was using it to absorb my sweat. <laughs> oh, don't see <laughs> I'm going to say it now, then I'm, I'm going to learn more. Listen yeah. to the Origins of Podcast <laughs> on why. Yeah, and that blew my mind because I was fully expecting to go back to, oh, they use it as a part to keep their necks warm. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, here's the crazy thing about that. You don't need a scarf to keep your neck warm. You just build a better coat. You don't need to get extra fabric. That's kind of what I was referring to is like, just wear a turtleneck. Right. It didn't make, yeah, right. It didn't make any sense for people to, to spend more money <laughs> on an additional piece of clothing when you could just prepare better clothing or, or layers and bunch, bunch, bunch mm-hmm. of layers, which makes complete sense. So I, I was like, oh, okay. So once I settled into the, the scarf origin of yeah. the sweat cloth, which makes more sense because you don't want to have your clothes be up to your neck. You want to have something. Exactly. You can remove and put on, you know. Ooh, right. shield yourself or the other joke that i made which was that it was a person who got tired of making a blanket and they were yeah. just like here's the scarf it's, yeah i we're invented done. it this is good we're gonna we're gonna drip it around so it became a symbol for um elegance and in the higher mm. class and actually if we're gonna move kind of over cultures the chinese have a very long history with scarves they mm. kind of get more into the like bandana kind of aspect so i'm not focusing on that Smaller. i'm mm-hmm. i'm focusing on what brought the scarf to trendy to today to trendy mm-hmm. society but just to kind of nod to the chinese back in 1000 bc those terracotta warriors you can see them they mm-hmm. have draped scarves oh, on them mm-hmm. they use scarves to signify military rank Military rankings, so like different colors, different styles, similar to how we would do the little stars and stripe things, you know. On your uh, Yeah, military arm. uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so similar to how we do that, the Chinese were using different colored scarves to signify military ranking. Ah, I see. Yeah, so already you're seeing from Nefertiti all the way to the Chinese, people are using these brightly colored silks and cloths to signify rank, to signify wealth. 
um, and not necessarily as a fashion trend. Well, uh, yes, as a fashion trend, because as you see that of, royals, of status, <laughs> yeah, class status, yeah, everyone mm-hmm. else starts doing it too. Absolutely. So how did this get brought over to us? Well, basically, as things evolved, as the Romans kind of stayed and um, as kings and queens, you know, kept, they had just fine, beautiful clothing. It wasn't until um, around Napoleon's time, this is so interesting, Napoleon actually wrote a letter to Josephine, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte mm-hmm, mm-hmm. actually wrote a letter to Josephine saying that he liked her in this, um, this, this scarf. He had this like mention um, because ladies at that time would have these these silk cloths that are silk scarves. Um, so imagine like the the big long printed silk. Mm-hmm. We're we're yep. not really in our chunky knitted right. scarves yet, but they were wearing silks, and eventually they started wearing them as like headbands as well. You can kind of remember how people wrap were it wearing, around mm-hmm, your hair, wrap it mm-hmm. around wearing scarves. So as soon as Napoleon does that and sends it over to Josephine, everyone else sees it too, and they're like, "Oh my god, now scarves are it." Once now he sends the letter in. complimenting her, or mm-hmm. like, or once she, once she's known for for wearing them, I see. So she, yeah, it caught on. Super romantic. Um, he, yeah, it was it says 1782 Napoleon. Um, he said, I just love it when your hair is tied up in a scarf a la Creole to Josephine in one of his letters. Is he considered a romantic? I feel like he's, yeah, there's a whole book about Napoleon's letters to Josephine. He really? was madly in love with her. Yeah. You don't, well, that sounds fun. I don't <gasps> yeah. know anything about that chapter. Oh my gosh. Napoleon. I feel like really? I only about the, the I think wars. I was, um, obsessed with love letters for a while. So I knew all of the sorts of like, um, people in history who were writing love letters to other people. That's a cool thing to know about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know even anything though, about those. Yeah, a little side story. Napoleon loved her, and she turned out to not really be a great queen or great counterpart to him. And uh, even though like he cheated and, you know, how they were back mm-hmm. then, they cheated back and forth, um, even though he did end up marrying her, and they divorced four years later, but he let her keep all her titles and stuff. He's like, no, no, I still love you, even though we didn't work out. Like, you can still hmm. keep your queen regent or your like duchessy type thing yeah that's cool he's like no no you're just not my you're not mine anymore but you can go over there that's and live in your, your castle yeah mm-hmm. it's like that's really nice of him he still mm-hmm. very much loved her but there's all sorts of images of her being just draped in fabric um you should put one of those on our website oh yeah oh yeah there's there's a ton of photos <laughs> of people wearing scarves <laughs> if that's interesting to anybody Um, So also the (laughs) French um, started using in the same kind of time period, the 1700s, they were using scarves for political support as well. They would tie them around their um, upper arms. Yeah. Yep. Kind of around. And they called them, oh gosh, cravats, I guess. C-R-A-V-A-T. In the French? Well, it it was Croatian first. The Croatians were kind of using it in that way. And then the French took it as a fashion statement or as a political statement. But it was called a cravat. Cravat? I do feel like, I mean, a, a scarf, uh, I mean, the, the dainty ones, are, it's very French. Yes. Yeah. You have a little necker yep. thing. This is all Europe, tie. all French, and Napoleon's French, so it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense that he would That's true. give that over. So then again, back in, or in 1837, Queen Victoria, this queen was known for scarves. She was obsessed with them. This huh. is kind of the, the boom of the scarf industry right here. Because even though Josephine was wearing them, Josephine wasn't as big as Queen. Um, this was Queen Victoria in 1837. She started ordering scarves from everywhere. She wanted every scarf maker. She wanted that person and this person. 
Now, if a queen's wearing your scarves, that means everybody else is going to want to start wearing your scarves. And this is around the time when um, companies were realizing they could put their brands on the scarves. They're like, okay, now this is going to be a famous print. And then people want our scarf with this pattern. Yes. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, they see Queen Victoria wearing, you know, this certain type of plaid. I don't know when plaid starts to come (laughs) in. It kind of overlaps in a second. Um, But they start seeing... And they want the same thing. They want the same patterns. They want the same that. So really, it was these these high figures that were wearing them and falling in love with them, and they were liking them because they like were elegant. They were mm-hmm. silk. They were of the finest fabrics. Um, I also have a really, a really funny side note. Um, this has not been proven, but I wanted to comment on it anyway because <laughs> it was in a couple of articles. Um, and another sidebar. I don't know if this is happening with you, but. As I've been doing this podcast, we've been doing a lot of research and we'll Mm -hmm. always make sure we double, triple check our references. What I'm finding, though, is that some of the articles are almost verbatim of other articles. I've been finding that, too. I'm like, what? Guys, like I'm seeing the same paragraph over and over and over again. And I'm like, who's the first one? Like, which one of you guys? Well, I'll see them either quote each other, like based on such and such Mm -hmm. website. And it's the other, you know, sources that have come up. But um, or they quote the same people. Um, what I've been trying to do more of is check out the library when I can. Yeah. Even, but but then sometimes there's not going to be books on every topic that we want to do or that exactly. ha- or that have very much for us. Um, or secondly, um, don't just go based on the at top SEO results because I feel like right. they're all. Um, yeah, I try to look for reputable sources, but I just find it funny. No, but I just mean like if I even if I go scroll through the first, you know, the first page and there's four articles that I pick out. Yeah, th- they'll be reputable, but they just still will kind mm-hmm. of start referencing. I found that a lot with the plaid. Actually. Yeah, it's really it's mm-hmm. neat. It's neat to see the same paragraphs over and over again. But it's also kind of like where's my new information? Uh, incestual is the word I was like. Oh, I feel like it's like, oh, they're all it's just the same content yeah. on the same it's strange. Yeah, it is now, strange. Now, a couple of them had different different angles, but... Yeah, yeah so I, I wanted to read this one fact that was over and over and over again, which no one could prove. <laughs> no one can prove this, and it's in this little infographic as well, but there's, like, no data. <laughs> so it's said that in 1783, a little bit before Queen Victoria, that there was a Duke of Krakow, I don't know, K-R-A-K-O-W, who had a chronically chilly neck. Like his neck, chronically he just, chilly. He's just cold. Just a cold he's dude. He's just real, real chilly. And apparently, the story goes, he invented the scarf. He's like, you know what? What if I just covered my neck in this long piece of fabric, put it around, and it's a scarf now? Quite the inventor. Right. So, a couple of flaws with that. And number one, people had already been wearing scarves. Right. Uh, and there's no sources. Right. He actually quoted saying that. It's actually in this timeline. It just says, the third Duke of Krakow is said to have invented the knit scarf in this year. Because of a chilly neck, which I just found hilarious. Like, chilly neck. Sure. Uh, what moving on. Say? Like, thanks. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> moving on. So, Queen Victoria, yeah, she is the definite, she comes to the throne, popularizes the fanciful accessories such as scarves. Um, in the Victorian area, these accessories aid to differentiate between the upper, middle, and lower classes. And that is from the History of Scarves, a timeline. So, again, it, it's cool. just it's the, based on the quality of your scarf. Mm-hmm. So these things moving over in, uh, oh, actually, we're going to move over to 1856, which is when Burberry actually patented their scarf. And the fun story about Burberry is that they didn't even have that scarf first. They made it an inner lining of a coat. Which is a super famous 
yeah. um, material, right? And I didn't know if you're going to cover this, so stop I'm not. me. Um, so Burberry had that super famous Burberry pattern, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the tan. I think they called it actually a camel with like the red. Um, they had that as an interior coat, and it was so popular, and people wanted it so badly that they said, oh, okay, we'll just put it into a scarf. And it was one of the first ones that was like a famous patterned scarf. And that I think would be a little warmer, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. up until this point, I'm imagining all the scarves have been silk silky and yes. then Burberry might be more like wool. Yep. And I am getting to the point where the, the silk shifts over. Mm-hmm. So that was 1830, not, 1856, which I found to be very old for Burberry. Like that's an old brand. Mm-hmm. That is old. Well, 18, I mean, the 1800s, the 19th century, I feel like is sort of when a lot of modern things come into play. Right. Unless they're, I don't know. Post. What do you consider modern? What, what, what is the historic definition of what modern means? Uh, um, hundred years, ma- fifty years. Mm, actually, I mean, my version of modern. This is this is a personal opinion, but my version of modern is just industrial revolution. Because after that, we could just make things at a bigger scale, and that to me is modern society. Now, I mean, maybe in a hundred years, that we'll have something else that changes everything. Where this, st- like this era, will be considered pre-modern or just stodgy mm-hmm. and not. But I mean, I think, I think I would consider everything, you know, post. Um, industrial revolution which is in the 19th century to to kind of be the modern era of like oh okay how um you think about globalization and trade and how we we just make things and consume things from other countries and it's just normal it's not really considered exotic Mm -hmm. and i think that really started then when you could start to mass produce things and ship them convenient you know um easily and stuff like that that's that's only my definition (laughs) One person. That's interesting. I would have thought modern meant like within the past twenty years or so. So it just always only means in the past twenty I, years. Yeah, so I'm not 20, very good with in history. twenty more years. <laughs> it won't be modern anymore. I mean, yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. because like if when I'm that's another interpretation yeah. of it. When mm-hmm. I'm forty, what's considered modern to me is still like I wouldn't consider my childhood as modern anymore. But no. I didn't know if there was like a regular um, historic definition. No, of everyone what would have their own definition. But I will say that it's kind of a, everything old is new again. I mean. We just keep recycling the same, the same things. <laughs> That's very Just true. in a different very context. True. So speaking of recycling, the next big phase is, like you said, the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. Women are starting to kind of get into the factories a little bit more. And similar to the Romans, what do they need to do? Because they have long hair. they Tie their hair up. Yep. They start using, they didn't really have hair bands or um, ponytails, as I call them. What do you call them? A hair tie? I call I call it a yeah, ponytail. I call them a hair tie. Yeah. They didn't really have hair ties. Oh, um, no, I think that the scarf might have been the OG. Yep. They were tie. using scarves to tie up their hair so that it wasn't getting caught in machinery. And when you were done with that, you would let it drape across your neck. It kind of just sort of sat there. So that's so kind of when women... But, but Logical. Yes, logical. But they weren't pretty. These were just sort of cloths mm, that they okay. were finding. They weren't able to yet replicate what the queens and the higher class were doing until... Um, in the 1800s, and I didn't write this date down. I am sorry, everyone. We'll do a footnotes. It was about 1850s. Um, rayon was invented. Awesome. Yeah. Synthetic mm-hmm. fabrics. Synthetic fabrics. Created. So now everybody has access to those beautiful patterns. You don't have mm-hmm. to buy it in silk anymore. You can buy it in synthetic fabric, and it looks the same. Obviously, the quality and the texture isn't the same, but you can still kind of go around wearing a quote-unquote silk scarf. So then you kind of get into the the little um, 
I don't know that like the the eras of fashion with like the flappers and you start to see everyone's wearing a scarf in a different way. Mm-hmm. First, it's like your hair is all tied up in this little bun thing, and then it's the typical like Audrey Hepburn like she's got it like in a car with the sunglasses mm-hmm. where it's like covering all of your hair. <laughs> Very glamorous. Uh, yes. So it really comes from Queens. And then they start using, you know, just the cloth again in the factories. And then they're, they're also seeing all the higher class. So that that fabric just sort of transforms once those fab, um, yeah, once those types of fabrics are invented mm-hmm. so that they can start mimicking that, you know, this kind of dual purpose. You can tie your hair up when you're working or cleaning in the kitchen with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, you have access to it mm-hmm. because the fabrics are cheaper so as time progresses in our current fashion that's just sort of a fashion trend you know it used to be hair tied up then it was with the, um, the i don't know what you call that the car driving it's more like a bandana i don't know yeah it's just kind of worn over the worn over the, over the tied hand. under your neck right? yeah Is it? and then that led way to or behind your behind your neck i guess yeah i think it like goes right right here i'm oh my god you guys can't see me but it goes like your forehead and all behind your ears and then it's tied like Right there, yeah. Yeah, now I'm trying to picture whether Audrey Hepburn had it like <laughs> under her neck or behind her neck. We'll like post under her chin. I'm not sure. I need to uh, kind of look that up. But yeah, that is sort of, um, so then fashion trends emerged and now mm-hmm. we wear them. As an accessory. As an accessory, but sort mm-hmm. of the same thing. You're sort of wearing it for kind of warmth now, but let's not kid ourselves. They don't really add that much warmth. Oh, I, I think a scarf definitely. I mean, if you're wearing I mean, a warm scarf and it's cold out, it makes all the difference. Right. Yeah. Because if it's windy and your neck is getting cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. Or, your, not the or your face or your ears. Because mm-hmm. um, I wore a really, really f- um bulky warm one mm-hmm. when we were in Europe in which was in December and it was cold um and it was a lifesaver because if my I for some reason didn't bring a hat <laughs> but if my ears were cold I would, could wrap my scarf up to my ears yeah and it would keep me warm I find scarves difficult in the fact that like I wear them when I'm cold but then when mm-hmm. I go inside I immediately am hot I'm mm-hmm. like oh, okay now I'm like annoyed again I have to like take it all off well know? I mean that's it um, excuse me, I guess it goes back to whether you're wearing like a lighter one as an accessory or a thicker one truly as a mm-hmm. out, um, outerwear garment. You know, like in the north, they're really good at having coat rooms where when you get somewhere because it was really cold out, you take all that stuff off anyway. It's not part of your outfit per mm-hmm. se versus, you know, in a warmer climate or if you're wearing a scarf to be an accessory, you could take your scarf off and then maybe you don't look like mm-hmm. your, your your outfit has been messed right. up or whatever but yeah in, which is you know at the mm-hmm. very brunt of it it's it's utilitarian thing if, if you're wearing it because it's cold out right a scarf is definitely util- utilitarian thing and i was super surprised to see that the origins weren't necessarily rooted in cold yeah. they are you're wearing a scarf because of the queens in england because you're not hot. you're not wearing a scarf because it, it, you descended mm-hmm. from some cold ancestors it really just is a fashion a fashion piece um and i would like to end my portion with a quote from Audrey herself. Love it. When I wear a scar- silk scarf, I never feel so definitely like a woman, a beautiful woman. That's sort so of showing sweet. that the She's scarves were just so so glamorous, glamorous and elegant, and such an accessory. Um, and now I have like fifty of them. I need to I need to pare down on my scarves. Do some purging. I, yeah, I need to. They're all different colors and different styles and different textures. I know, but if you can pick your favorite ten, then <gasps> they should be able to go with everything. Ten. You yeah. think 10? 10, you're saying 10 is not enough? I'm going to go with like 25. I'm going to see if I can't oh, cut it in half. Yeah. 
Do you okay. think you have 50 scars? No, I counted them last winter and I do have 50 scars. What? I have a picture of it on Instagram. Yeah, I literally have 50. I love scarves. I think that your picture needs to go on our podcast Okay, I, Yeah, that's a good idea. I totally will. Let me see if I can't scroll really fast <laughs> and find ridiculous. it. That's um, ridiculous. Yeah, I just, I love them. I think they're, and I also will wear them. I haven't really this year for some reason. I think they're at a kind of trend a little bit. But I like to wear really lightweight scarves starting in like August. Mm-hmm. Like super, like like silk scarves or mm-hmm. like um like a, a summer scarf, as I like to sort of say. Yeah, I have some really lightweight ones. Um that I've collected, especially from when I worked in retail, a few of my favorites um, that I keep. But then I really only have maybe three that are truly cold weather. You know, I Mm -hmm. I definitely have a blanket scarf. That's very in trend. It's just giant and super warm, and I could literally take a nap under it. And I have two others, one of them being the bulky one I wore in Europe. And those are the three, like, if I'm really actually cold. And I think all my other ones are just for, like, a slightly cool day. Uh, (laughs) Oh, here it is. Here's a picture. and, uh, and, And I maybe only have eight or ten. Oh, and yeah. I'm looking at Olivia's picture, and she has too many scarves. <laughs> I think all the ones on the bottom, you could just wear one of those, like all these kind of brown, no. patterny ones. Like you could they're pick all a favorite, different, and they're okay. all different weights. And just, oh, and I have a couple of, um, or I have two. Um, oh no, what's that pattern called? The Royal Tide pattern, the black and white. Oh no, oh, I'm a terrible Alabama fan. Um, I definitely don't. Houndstooth. I have. Oh okay. Yes. Is I have that a, a thing with them? Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> Oh I just gosh, like yes. houndstooth. Apparently, Nick Saban wore like a houndstooth hat or something, and everybody was like, oh, it's ours now. Done. We're, we claim it. We claim it. So I have a couple of those that I wear to colder Bama games, and then I have a couple well, that's of cute. chunky knit ones that I wear, and then I have a couple of blanket scarves, and then I have a couple of lightweight scarves. I just I have a few scarves. <laughs> I know. I need just a few. Just a few. Well, uh, I might need to have an intervention with you. <laughs> I'll have to give some over to you. We'll, e- we'll equalize and let you have I it. don't need many. I have Wait, good ones. But it's not really a need. It's more like a want. Like, yeah. I want to feel... They make me feel more like uh, the Queen Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the only spot that I think I really... Um, uh, intertwined with yours was, was uh, the Burberry. The Burberry, mm-hmm. the plaid pattern. And uh, I'm really excited to hear because plaid is everywhere. Plaid is like... The fall pattern. Where did it come from? Plaid is everywhere. And it's, uh, I think I misspoke when I said that yours was way older than mine because I don't think it's that much older. Didn't you say 1300? Did you say 1350 BC? And that is Nefertiti, though. That is Egypt. And then the the Romans were 10 AD. So, you know, and then the Chinese, the Chinese terracotta soldiers were 1000 BC. Well, there is, uh, there are the remains of a man that they found. Actually, he's called the Churchin Man, um, C-H-E-R-C-H-E-N, Churchin Man. They found his remains in the Chinese desert, and he is 3,000 years old, but he is Caucasian. And DNA tests later confirmed that he is Scottish because the Scottish people were really intent to prove that he was, in <laughs> fact, Scottish because this is very much a part of their heritage. Um, and so... Uh, he was wearing plaid. He was actually what? technically pla- no. wearing plaid leggings and a tunic no. in the description. So he could have fit in right now is what you're saying. Uh-huh. He's he basically a hipster. He walked mm-hmm. the street and been fine. Um, and so he, uh, that was 3,000 years ago, which would technically be about 1,080 or BC, right? That is wild. Mm-hmm. So not not that far off. Um, however, for a really, really, really long time, it was just in Scotland. Um, so 
Did you mention to me that your friend, when I when we suggested plaid, that she said, oh, and tartan? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, so, side story, I worked at the Elf on the Shelf. Actually, Jesse did, too. I don't know why I said like said. We actually met at the Elf on the Shelf. I worked there for three months. <laughs> I was a temp, though. I wasn't fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we literally passed, like, I think a couple of times in the start of book club, and now here we are doing a podcast together. So, book clubs are very sticky if you join them with the right people. So, yes. even though I only worked at the Elf on the Shelf for three months, we have a book club going on right. five years now. Yeah. But, yes. okay, so I was on the product team, product and design, and we designed elf clothing. <laughs> that was my career. Um, <laughs> That's real life. Yeah, real life. And, elf clothing. Yeah, so plaid and tartan. Tartan was also, like, a form of that, and it wasn't ever plaid. Like, when I was there, it was five years ago, and I guess tartan was, like, the thing. So everybody was like, tartan. And I don't know, that word will just, like, forever stick with me. Well, tartan is just... A synonym for plaid and it's actually the original <gasps> like pla- plaid is tartan i didn't know that i thought there was like <laughs> i a didn't know that different, i thought tartan was a more specific type of plaid well no so really plaid was a type of tartan and then they just became oh. synonymous mm-hmm. wow okay so um really a lot of people put the origins of plaid at about the 1500s okay so there's ancient there's ancient evidence of tartan slash plaid um, but when it really became a thriving piece of Scottish culture, it would have been about the 1500s. And it, um, so first let me define, there is a, like, if you look in textile books, um, they would define plaid as a pattern of colored stripes or bars crossing each other at right angles, right? It's a very basic pattern, but that technically, um, in Scotland, a plaid is a tartan cloth slung over the shoulder as a kilt accessory or plain ordinary blanket. And then later, plaids were heavy traveling cloaks to keep cold against their bitter cold weather um, winters. Okay. So a plaid was the, the coat or the kind of overwear item. But tartan was the actual pattern, like what we think of as plaid when we look at it. So originally was woven wool obviously now it's made from a lot of other materials too but it was specifically like why it holds so much meaning in scottish culture is because it was very much associated with what clan you were oh, part of mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and here's even more reason why it makes sense um the scottish tartan authority is my source on this uh, basically if you live in a remote land and you know Lots of, like, imagine just living in a tiny Scottish village in Mm -hmm. far-flung north, you know, in the 1500s. You were buying your tartan from one weaver. Basically, your clothes would come from one dude, and he was using the colors that he could create locally. So if he was using different plant or animal dyes that were native to where they were, um, essentially all your clothes would look like everyone else in your village. Oh and then over time, it definitely became like, oh, you're part of the X clan that lives in this far-flung tiny village because you're wearing the green with dark blue combination. That is <laughs> you know, the best. Isn't that super cool? It's super cool also because it, it, it's so relatable because now it's what you do with your sports teams. Like, you, oh, you're a part of this team yes. because you're dressed You're that wearing way. a Falcons hat. You've owned those colors. You're part of that clan. But I think yeah. also, can you imagine being like a trendy teen girl and you're like, oh, I don't want to wear like <laughs> what everyone else is wearing. Right, like, can I just go to the next village over and your mom's like, no, like, we are not a part of that clan. Like, right. I mean, it's cool to us, but I can see how that's like, oh, I'm wearing the same thing yeah. every day because yeah. my guy can only get green berries. Like, Exactly. 
Um, yeah, so that's really where in the the different um, Scottish clans took on specific colors, and it's still very much um, an important part of Scottish heritage. Oh, neat. So, so it's yeah. taken very seriously. So they probably look at us and they're like, oh, my God, those Americans are wearing all this plaid, and they're like, what is wrong with that? Well, but in this case, too, like people in England were like, oh, cool, we like that, thanks. We're going to use that, too. So <laughs> England pretty. and the U.S. definitely adopted it. And one of the reasons, too, is just because there were so many immigrants from Scotland to mm-hmm. the rest of England or even to the U.S. and Canada. So they eventually did bring their tartan with them mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I have the so – so it was um, the English and the U.S. really adopted it. And at, mm-hmm. at a certain point in time, it just became plaid in – Hmm. in the U.S. and in England, where mm-hmm. it was no longer referred to as tartan. That's really the traditional Scottish term. And so then interesting. we just decided, oh, we're just going to call it plaid. Um, so we did. But interestingly, um, plaid, so remember I mentioned 1500s. By the 1700s, um, there were some Scottish uprisings, and it became associated with the military in Scotland. So much so that when they rebelled against the English crown in 1745 and then lost 1746, um, it plaid was banned <gasps> legit against the law to wear any type of tartan or plaid because it was so much associated with basically the rebels, right? Wow. Which is kind of where tartan and plaid started to get its its uh, edge, right? Because oh, sometimes yeah. we think of plaid as it can be um, – edgy right oh yeah I, associated with i see the punk kids wearing like mm-hmm. plaid mm-hmm. like a, but it's always like a dark plaid it's not like the cute like i don't know i think that also can be associated with well i'll get to in a second with um being torn or being really worn out or something like that yes but, that but i don't see punk kids wearing like burberry like oh no for sure but that's <laughs> like actually the, the camel with the pink in the, <laughs> for sure no, no but no. that's actually one of the reasons why plaid is um is so cool because it kind of holds this dichotomy because then it's it, it it'll vacillate back and forth between being high class and high fashion and being very preppy. Like if you think about the 1960s, I'm jumping way ahead here, but I'll go back. Um, it, you know, it has this it has this background of being both rebellious and both very traditional, and hmm. so um, that's one of the reasons people people speculate as to why it has so much staying powers because it's a little bit of both. Yeah, everybody and, can take something from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was banned for a long time in in the United Kingdom areas because yeah. it, because of its association with the Scottish rebels. But then by 1782, it became legal again, and it became in vogue to wear a plaid gown to a formal occasion, which sounds awesome. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Actually, I can't imagine someone wearing an all plaid. Well, it sounds fabulous. Gown. So. <laughs> Uh, then, by the 19th century, um, specifically the Woolwich Woolen Mills um, started manufacturing what would become known and was named there um, Buffalo Plaid. So I'm actually wearing Buffalo Plaid, which is the very distinctive oh. red and black It has a name. Plaid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Red and black plaid is Buffalo Plaid. And I very closely associate it with my youth in Upper Michigan, where it it is it is quite warm. It's a warm shirt, and mm-hmm. it would keep you warm and very much uh, be yeah. something that my family would wear. So um, 1850s is when Buffalo Plaid it, um, became uh, manufactured of Woolwich Mills, and it was used for outdoor professions, and so it became associated with lumberjacks and other types Aha! of outdoor people. There we go. People. 
That's funny. So that was specifically in the U.S. now. It's sort of shifted over and taken on some distinct colors and really mm-hmm. a cult, an own cult. Because, I mean, that the Woolrich Mills and, you know, U.S. Mills and then Buffalo Plaid, they also have their own histories, too, of right. um, being very um, iconic. And same with, with Burberry, but I didn't actually get into Burberry, so I'm glad that you did. Yeah, I covered um, the quick. Because yeah. then in 1924, uh, Pendleton, which is another famous company, released a plaid shirt. And it was mass-produced, and it was an instant casual wear hit. So um, they they it took them a while, but they did release a female version in 1949. Um, but it became by then um, just enjoying decades of popularity. Really famously, Daisy Duke, you know, wear it. Oh yeah, t- tied up. Oh yeah. Since she's got her plaid shirt. Um, 1960s surf rock, um, like the Beach Boys. There's famous pictures of them wearing plaid shirts and sort of, you know, you st- you have the short sleeve version and you start to see plaid everywhere. Yeah. In the 70s, it was used, you you could buy a suit, you know, like if you think about a men's suit in plaid. So good. Um, Also in the 70s is when you started to see the rise of punk, especially in England. And there was sort of a counterculture. Yeah. Um, Specifically, they wore plaid as a um, sort of an... um, in opposition to what was because it was sort of seen as associated with royalty and the monarch, they would wear it as sort of an um, anarchic, mm-hmm. anarch, anarchy, anarchist, anarchist <laughs> sort yeah. of um, symbol, right? So they would specifically they might tear or shred theirs and wear it as kind of a um, statement. In the seventies, that's wild. That's mm-hmm. so like plaid is like for everybody. It's for lumberjacks. It's for <laughs> it's for rebels. royalty. It's for rebels. Royals, it's for, traditionalists. Uh huh. And then um, places like if you think about, um, it became part of high fashion once Vivian Westwood started designing. I mean, a lot of, I mean, truly, uh, New York, Paris, London mm-hmm. level fashion. Um, even more recently, Marc Jacobs in the nineties, mm-hmm. and it's, it became part of high fashion, which definitely trickles down to your local um, department store, your local Kmart, you know, wherever you're buying stuff, it's eventually going to trickle down to those things. Mm -hmm. And it had a preppy moment in the 80s before it's, you know, arguably most popular era, which is the grunge of the 90s. Um, Do you remember the Spice Girls wearing a lot of plaid? Am I crazy? Because they're from England. I I think think they wore it in more of the, I I remember it more in like the preppy, like if you think of Cher in Clueless, you know, she wears that Mm -hmm. um, yellow plaid number. Um, so it was popular then, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because in the nineties it would have been, it, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's, you can just as easily picture it in a preppy, mm-hmm. on a, on a preppy look as, you know, as grunge down a lot, it, you know, with a, just like a bigger open shirt that might be darker and yeah. wear it with, you know, sh- um, yeah. jeans with holes in them or, you know, or whatever in your Doc Martens. Um, so <laughs> it, it ha- definitely can. Plaid is very super versatile. It can you can play it up, you can wear it down, you can however you want to do it. Um, one of the things um, there was a Gizmodo article actually that made two really good points. I thought about it in modern day fashion. One being that in times of recession, Americans tend to go back to things that are in their roots. So that sort of idea of the blue collar worker um, mm-hmm. and things like plaid being very traditional. But also that plaid is a way for, it's like manly patterns. It's like a way for men who might not want to wear a patterned something, but they can wear plaid. And yeah, it doesn't, I see that. I see it that. doesn't like, you know, it's not, 
um, quite so much, you know, women can wear floral and it's fine, but, you know, t- you know, not that men can't wear floral too. But yeah, it's a shame that it's, it's, been it's typically, you know, it's not as common. So plaid sort of something that every man can get behind. Yeah, it's wearing a lumberjacky manly mm-hmm. sort of look. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but that is basically the history of plaid. Um, its true origin is simply um, of Scottish clan um, yeah. affiliation. And I do have a question there, about that, has, though. Mm-hmm. When did it? What's the relationship with flannel, or why it's always a thicker fabric? You know, I have a couple mm-hmm. of of plaid things that are just like lightweight tees. You know, yeah. not a tee, not a tee, but a lightweight shirt. Like I don't really like. What is the relationship between? It being thick, is that just because it's cold, <laughs> colder? I think it in has Europe? a little bit to do with just the roots being. It was. It would have been made from wool, um. So it, because it was coming from Scotland, it's right. just a colder climate, and so it, it just has a lot of staying power as a you know as a flannel. But also flannel is brushed, and so it has to do with with how it's made that makes it softer. Um, and Can that you literally what just has to do. For the- um, I don't really know what it oh, means. Okay. It's just it's um it's something that's done to the material when they're weaving it to make it to make it have the softer oh. texture. So when they're weaving it, I think that's when flannel becomes flannel. But that's cool. Um, I don't really know why it's associated particularly with flannel, but um, because because you can also make just regular flannel that's not a plaid pattern they're right. not synonymous right so i should i should have spent more time no i think it up, makes but. sense though that it comes from a colder tradition and a colder mm-hmm. um culture i mean if mm-hmm. it's coming over and you're using it for that purpose and, yeah because i yeah. think definitely if they would have been wool in the first place think about it now no one wants to wear Ooh, wool no like, wool is very uncomfortable yeah wool <laughs> is like as soon as we come up with a better option we're going to use it so I think yeah. flannel is a nice in-between where we can still have that nice soft yeah. feeling and warmth, but not have it be, oh, man. No, I mean, wool wool, wool is very um, adaptive and responsive to your temperature and to water resistance and all that type of stuff, but it's just not soft and yeah, it's, it's very picky. So it's yeah. it's not ultimately super comfortable um, yeah. unless you're going into... There's there are breeds of sheep that are less itchy, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure when tartan became a thing, it was just whatever sheep you can get, right? With the, the wool that you make. For Man, mm-hmm. that makes me want. I have a couple of plaid shirts that I admittedly have from like Target and Old Navy, and I'm like, oh, like I'm wearing this thing, this this pattern, and I guess it's kind of cool that I know that this pattern came from this such a good culture but it makes me feel kind of cheap i'm like nah, this is there's probably really a lot of things though when you start digging into the roots of things that you feel pretty yeah like, eh. but those scarves i feel good about the scarves knowing knowing the the history there i'm like mm-hmm. oh i'm wearing this because i like to look fancy like not that there's like some sort of crazy culture like yeah. oh this was only for uh, I don't know, wise men or something. Like, I don't feel bad about it. Like, yeah. I don't feel bad. I don't think you should feel bad about plaid because plaid has had a long enough, I think, yeah. history now where it's it's not necessarily only associated with Scotland. That's just where it right. started. Right. Well, that's good. Years mm-hmm. of time have distanced me, yeah. distanced me from... Because I remember what I said about the whole culture of the woolen mills in the U.S. and things like buffalo plaid. I mean, there's a whole history of... Um, and Pendleton, there's a lot of history of of wool making here in the U.S. that and, mm-hmm. and very specific patterns that would have been made in the U.S. that kind of have their own history too, which is one of the reasons why my buffalo plaid is such a regional thing 
you know, for the right for the northern US. Yeah. So I wouldn't feel bad about it. Uh, okay, I will not any longer. Um, and also, we went to this little petting zoo because we went to the Atlanta Zoo this weekend, Yesterday, and I yeah. pet a sheep, and it doesn't feel like wool at all. Like you're like actual sheep's. Isn't it like, so strange? It, it's like super, super soft, and wool is like so scratchy. So like, what are you guys doing to me? Well, make that it? could have been. I don't know what breed of sheep it was, but it could have been a different breed of sheep. Oh my gosh! Literally, there's different kinds. Uh huh. Oh yeah, that's why you'll see like. Um, as I've been getting more into knitting and crochet, I've been learning about that, like a merino wool coming from whatever specific breeds that comes from is literally softer and is not picky. Oh my gosh. But it just blew my mind. But it will pill more easily. So if you're making a garment, you want to be very considerate about what it's, it's lasting power because merino wool won't last as long. There you go. I'm so That's ignorant. That's your fact for the I've day. I literally thought that all the sheep were, I mean, no, now you're saying it Definitely obviously makes sense. different types of wool. Breeds of everything, but yep. I was like, oh no, sheep is all sheep. Uh-huh. No, you'll get very different uh, textures from different sheep. That makes sense. There you go. Okay. That was your bonus, bonus, bonus. Super order. cool fact. Yeah. Bonus fact. I don't yeah. think most people know that. And I didn't th- even think to ask the zookeepers what kind of sheep it was. I just said sheep. There That's it okay. is. And pet it. I the mean. sheep is not offended. <laughs> Um, well, great. That was um, that is our your, episode. Uh, origin of scarves and plaids. Now you can wear your fall fashions. Go and, put on a plaid shirt yeah, and, and impress people. Wrap a scarf around yourself, and hopefully it's a little colder <laughs> where you are. <laughs> you can actually uh, lean into that. Yeah. Um, let us know what type of plaids you guys have. If anybody has anything authentic, and let us know if anybody has more scarves than me, which is fifty. Yeah, that's the number exactly you're trying 50. to be. Happy to count them all on video for everybody. <laughs> um, and that's all we have today, folks. Thanks so that's much for our listening. Show. This podcast was produced by Johnny Stubbs in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us online at theoriginsofpodcast.com or to help us support this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theoriginsofpodcast.